hear the word of God for the people of God. This is from Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your span of life? And why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. Do not worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the pagans who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need them. But strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's troubles are enough for today. Amen. Have a seat. Like Stephen mentioned earlier, this section of the Sermon on the Mount may be one of the most uh, troubling of the, one of the most uh, difficult for some of us. This section where Jesus has the audacity to tell us not to worry. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Uh, but before we do, uh, I want to say something about next week. We've got some neat things coming up next weekend that I want to pay attention to before we move on. The first one is that uh, some of you may or may not be aware, um, if you are so lucky, that it is about the time of year which school is starting. And I know in the Hovatter house, we are thinking about it all the time. It is uh, it, it, about a week from Tuesday when we will be thinking about, uh, do not worry about what it is that you will wear. For the dress code knows that you need these things. <laughs> and, uh, but we are almost there. We're almost at that time of year where school is starting back and we jump into those rhythms and routines of a, of a different kind of year for those of us that have kids. And uh, as part of that, it has been Central's uh, uh, way, part of Central's ministry over the last few years to have a school supply drive. And uh, that we've been collecting stuff for several weeks. Um, there are still a few days left. I think you can turn in things all the way through the, the 10th if you want to do that. Um, but that school, we're going to be handing out backpacks and, and doing all that stuff at the um, uh, Adopt-A-Block this coming Saturday beginning at noon. So if you want to be a part of that, come here, come to Central at noon this coming Saturday uh, and be a part of that, uh, that ministry and, and handing some of those school supplies out. And if you want to be a part of giving some of those things over the next few days, uh, then do that. Or if you want to find a different way to help, then you can certainly uh, reach out to Tammy and email her um, and, and she'll, she'll get you hooked up. 
Uh, so participate in that. And let's find ways of blessing our community uh, with those needed school supplies uh, uh, this, this coming week. Also with that, I want to tell you that next Sunday, so we'll have the adopt box stuff will take place next this coming Saturday. The day after that, next Sunday, a week from today, uh, we're going to have a special time in our worship of prayer over our students and our teachers. And we want to, uh, as they go into this new phase, this new phase of the year, we want to be prayerful for them. Um, we know that going to school, whether you're a student or a teacher or administrator or you're helping in the lunchroom, it brings different kinds of challenges with it. And so we want to be prayerful for our, all of those folks as they go back into this school year. And it may be that you know somebody that is their vocation, their calling in the world is to help work with students. And if you do, this is a great week to invite them to be with us. Okay, so if there's somebody that's your neighbor or if you're a teacher and you, you've got a coworker that isn't, isn't connected to a church somewhere or if you're a student and you wanna bring uh, some of your friends, just I want you to know that there's gonna be something special for you next week as we pray over uh, the students and the teachers and people that work with uh, our kids in the schools. Hey, do we, we all reckon, I don't even have to ask, I'm not asking that as a question. I'm just gonna say, we recognize that these are tough times to be working in schools, right? We recognize that? I mean, there have been a lot of challenges over the last few years. And uh, we, we want to, in response to that, we want to speak to God and say, God, would you be with those of our community who give their lives to that work, okay? Uh, so we're going to do that next week. Come and, come and be ready to, to be a part of that. Okay. Let's jump into Matthew 6. Jesus here speaking to his disciples in the heels, like Mark mentioned a moment ago, on the heels of a space where he's given us different kinds of spiritual disciplines, changing the way that we think about a giving and fasting and praying. I think Jesus follows up with what might be one of the most challenging of all the spiritual disciplines, moving away from worry. And it is a practice. It is a discipline or maybe even a set of practices and disciplines that lead to us as individuals stepping away from the all-consumptive worry, which can so easily infect and corrupt our lives. It's not just one thing. It, it is, as Chad was mentioning in his class this morning, the, the practice of God's presence that was, uh, that was taught by an old monk named Brother Lawrence. The, the discipline of calling your attention back to the presence of God with you. Or maybe other practices go with that, whether we're thinking about meditative or, or prayer practices or ways of paying attention to the kinds of things that are going through your head over and over again. Sometimes it even goes beyond just those spiritual disciplines and worry is such a profound effect, has such a profound effect on some of us that that sometimes we need to reach out and seek some help about how to deal with that. And I, I want you to know that Central is going to be a church where it's okay to talk about mental health stuff, okay? And sometimes if we're in a space where uh, the anxiety has certainly grabbed a hold of us all the way down and we just don't know what else to do with it, sometimes you got to reach out and you got to talk to somebody whose special vocation in the world is helping people work through stuff like that. Sometimes you need something to get your brain chemistry right. 
Sometimes you need to be on a prescription. And you know what? All of those things are okay. It's part of embracing the way we find ourselves in the world and moving towards a place where that worry doesn't have quite a hold on us. That's what it means to work through, I think, something of worry as an individual issue. But can we recognize that worry is not just an individual issue? That we live now in a society of anxiousness, a society in which anxiety is not just something that we deal with on an individual level, but it is pervasive around all in all through our culture that we are saturated in anxiousness as a people. So in this sermon space, I want to speak less to what it means to run away from worry as individuals. And I want to talk about when anxiety comes to church. Because Jesus's people have sometimes, in, in our moment right now, are sometimes tempted to fall into the trap of becoming not just individuals who struggle with anxiety and worry, but we have sometimes become whole communities of anxiousness. And an anxious church ain't no fun to be part of. (laughs) Not even fun. An anxious church can be quite toxic to be part of. And a church in which anxiety has become not just the norm for individuals, but it has become the culture of the people is a very dangerous place to live. I want to tell you a few things that happen in a church where anxiety is the norm. The first thing is that the future becomes a place of fear. And there are many churches across the landscape of America and indeed in the whole world right now where the church seems to be proclaiming primarily a message of fear, things that we should be concerned about, things that we need to be worried about, about what's coming down the pipe. And there's too much talk in the church, not just about the things that we're trying to deal with day to day, but all this anxiety that we have about the greater things on the outside of the church that are putting pressure on the church, the external factors that the church needs to be worried about. There's a lot of belly aching about, oh, oh, the direction of the world today. Oh, my, the sky is falling as though we have it worse than they did in the first century Roman Empire. Come on. There are places where churches are looking into what they see in the future and they're reading the barometer. They're reading the the temperature about what's happening outside. They allow it to stir and stir and stir about fear for the future. And the church can become a place where that fear of what's happening, broadly speaking, in the the culture or whatever, 
It just stirs and stirs and stirs. Listen, I, I have concerns. I have concerns about things that are happening culturally. I have things about ways, uh, shifts that I, I feel like we're, we're taking historically. I have concerns about uh, our, our growing inability about what it means to talk to and listen to and, and be invested in each other. But I want you to know, I am not afraid of the future. And in the name of Jesus, the church can't allow itself to be concerned as though the future is already lost. The future is won. But when the church allows the anxiety about the future and anxiety about cultural change and anxiety about where things are headed these days to take over. Then we begin to lose something of our witness. And that community identity of being a place of fear. People come over and over and over again and they hear the fear and they hear the fear and the fear gets deeper and it gets our, it's our roots in us more. And man, you walk away from a church place like that and you become more individually afraid too. Fear can become part of your identity and surely it's not meant to be that way in the church. Amen. When the future becomes a place of fear and the church becomes more and more scared of what is coming, then there's something else that happens really quickly too, and that's that leadership becomes about control. And that can be true for formal leadership, okay? Your elders and ministers, your ministry leaders and all that kind of stuff. In the way that we make decisions, we start thinking about, oh man, oh man, things are changing. We get, we get really wrapped up in it. Oh man, it just seems like things aren't the way they used to be anymore. We gotta make sure we tighten everything down. Lock it down. When I'm afraid, I reach for control, right? And if the church becomes a place of fear and it becomes a place where the future looks like a scary place, then it's really easy for leadership to be about control. And I want you to know that I'm saying something about both people who lead and people who are led. Because if the future is a scary place for you, you will look for a leader who knows how to turn off the fear. And if the future is a place that is about scariness and anxiety, then we will look for leaders. We will ask our leaders to take control of the situation so that we don't have to be afraid anymore. So you end up with leaders who are doing one of two things. The first one is they are micromanaging and controlling every small possible thing. Or the second thing they're doing, which is just as dangerous, is they're pretending they are. They either got control or they act like they want everybody to think they do. And this is a really toxic sort of environment for a church. Now, I want to say, along with this, this is not just true about formal leadership, about people that have titles. 
It's also about the people who have influence and all of us have some measure of influence. All of us, all of us exert some measure of leadership in the situation. And when we are afraid, when we are dominated by worry, we react to the people with whom we have influence by trying to show them that we have control or by trying to control them. In a church in which anxiety is the norm, in which anxiety is the culture, is full of people who are doing everything they can to try to control things. They control things by using what power they have. They control things by voicing their complaints in a certain way. They control things by becoming manipulative. The the, the idea that leadership becomes control is that anxiety, when it is wrapped up into a person, Okay? That person will use every tool at their disposal to try to turn that anxiety down. Do it by trying to take control. And it's super, super dangerous. When leadership becomes about control and about turning down the anxious noise, about turning down the emotion of fear, then a third thing happens. And the third thing is that mission gets lost. I mean, think about it in the things that I was just describing. How can mission flourish in a space in which people think the future is a place of fear? If we're afraid of what's coming and we're only nostalgically looking back to the way things used to be, does that lead us to mission? What if leadership is about control? If leadership is about making sure that that things seem like they're all controlled and, and nothing is out of place and everything is just like it should be, can you take the kind of risk that lead to mission in that environment? If it's all about fear and control, then we begin to lose our sense of mission. We begin to lose our sense of reaching towards the very things that God has put us in in the world, in the city, to be able to accomplish. And all this together is why we have more and more churches, it seems like sometimes, that are doing less of the looking outside and thinking about what they need to do to reach and speak to and be witnesses to the world around them. And instead, they are so internally, they're just internally dominated. And they're just looking at inside themselves, thinking about what is wrong? What is wrong? What is wrong? What are we going to do? Mission cannot thrive in a culture dominated by anxiety. Because mission is driven by faith. Mission is driven by our sense that God is sovereign in the world and that God is calling us towards something different. Mission has a sense of God's presence, of God's leading with us. And mission requires us to be attentive to God's all-time presence with us. And it just can't thrive in a place of anxiety, which is to say a place in which we are no longer sure whether God is present or not. Mission 
grows best in a community that is certain of God's presence with them. And I don't use the word certain very lightly because sometimes certainty can be kind of a drug too. Certainty can be the kind of thing that um, makes us feel like we have control, right? But I'm not talking about that kind of, I think, false certainty. I'm talking about a kind of certainty that says whatever is happening around us, we know that God is present with us. And that's the place that we invest our certainty. It's the place that we invest our hope. Hey, listen, a church that is dominated by anxiety has so many dangerous things that, are, that will come and take over. And I, I, I want Central to be a place that is not anxious. Do you guys want to be that kind of church? I, I got to tell you that I'm... I am, so, I am so proud of this church for the things that you've come through over the past few years. And as we were thinking about, about joining this community of faith, we really came to believe that this was a place that wasn't dominated by anxiety. I, I, I don't know that we would have come if we thought that's the way that you were. And if you really are that way, don't tell me for a couple of months, okay? But we look here at Central and we said, look, This is a church that has been willing to be a place not dominated by fear, even though there's some scary things that have happened. We said, look, this is a church that has come through the fire, literally. (laughs) They came through a fire. Half the building burned down. Do you think that provoked any leadership among the church's anxiety? Uh, I mean, the church's, uh, any anxiety among the church's leadership? Oh, I said that backwards. That was kind of, what would Freud say about that? Do you think it provoked any anxiety among church leadership when all of a sudden this big old asset here in the city, like there's the space, right? Church had to go through a space too when it made certain decisions about how we were going to represent and be uh, allow women to have leadership positions up front here. Think there's any anxiety about that? A bunch of people left. Do you think that provoked any anxiety? Was I not supposed to say that? church went through a moment where because of things happening health-wise in our space, like had to change the way that we met together. Couldn't physically be together for periods of time, trying to figure out what that all meant. Still kind of wrestling with that in some spaces. Did that provoked any anxiety? I'm already neck deep in it, might as well. Church went through a massive staff change. Leader that had been here for a long, long time. Beloved leader. Who I have a lot of respect and love for, by the way. Think that provoked any anxiety? 
So it's not that we're talking about whether or not there are sources of, of anxiety, whether there are things that possibly could provoke anxiety. What we're really talking about is are we going to be dominated by that anxiety or are we going to be led into something else? And I think we need to be led by something else. Not just because it's more fun to be at a church that's led by something else and not just because it's just what I think is healthy for discipleship, but I wanna tell you that this city, this city needs non-anxious neighbors. And this city needs communities of people that are not just dominated by what they're afraid of. The city needs churches whose hope is driven by something larger than all of the external things that just make us nervous. The city needs non-anxious neighbors. The city needs neighbors who hope, who look into the future and say, yeah, there's some challenges, and yes, there's some things that are scary, and yes, there's some things that we're not sure how they're gonna turn out, but beyond all that, we know that God rules the future that the Jesus who rose from the grave is the Lord over all and Jesus owns the future. And we walk towards that future, not knowing all the answers and not having certainty about what the directions are for all that are gonna play out, but we walk towards the future with a brazen hope that says in the future, God reigns. The city needs neighbors who hope and the city needs neighbors of peace. Not just neighbors who, in whom the anxieties of the day are just bouncing around like a loose ping pong ball. The city needs neighbors, a community of stability that believes in the peace of God, the peace that comes from that hope. A peace that says, yes, even because of the hope we have, we will Rest in the peace of the presence of Jesus. To believe that the presence of Jesus with us is much more important than all of the things which are provoking us to worry one day to the next. And in a city in which people's own stories are driving them in many places literally to violence, and oh, I wish we knew how our violence is connected to anxiety. In a city like that, that city doesn't need a place that's dominated by worry and anxiousness. That city, this city needs a community of peace, of the deep peace that comes from our faith in God's rule and reign and presence with us. This city, this city also needs neighbors who love. Sometimes anxiety masquerades as love, as a concern for those whom we deeply value and treasure. But in a community of anxiety, where we are led by fear, led to control. 
In that kind of community, we very easily fall into manipulating each other, to denying each other freedom to make our own decisions. We, we, we become preoccupied with whether or not people are doing exactly what it is that we want them to do. And in a community like that, it is difficult to love well. You guys know this familiar passage in 1 Corinthians 13, where Paul is talking about what it means to love. And I want you to hear it with just a little bit different lens today. I don't want you to sound, I want you to hear whether this sounds like anxiety and worry or not. Love is patient. Is anxious worry patient? Love is kind. <laughs> Worry has no, no time for kindness. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant even. Love is not rude. Boy, is worry rude? I'm never as rude as I am when I'm in a worrying space. I'm much shorter with people when I have, when I have that kind of mentality of I'm really anxious about something, really worried about something. Love does not insist on its own way. The worry sure does, doesn't it? It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, but worry can bear no thing. Love believes all things, but worry believes nothing. Love hopes all things. Worry has lost its way of hope. Love endures all things. And worry is just not sure if it's going to make it through the day or not. When we talk about what it means to be a people, a community that is not driven as a community of worry, we're also speaking to what it means to be a community of people that has space for loving well that has the fruitfulness of being able to love each other well. And worry and anxiety can choke all that away. But my friends, this city needs neighbors who know how to press beyond the things that would provoke worry among us. The city needs neighbors who are free to love well. And a community that is non-anxious knows how to do that. Worry, like many other things, at the end of the day, it ends up not being just about us. It becomes about all the people in our orbit, all the people in our space, all the people that we touch. 
if we are completely driven as a community by anxiety and worry, then what we end up doing is we end up infecting all the other people with it too. So let us be people who have something else that is infectious. Let us be people of hope. Let us be people of peace. And let us be people who live with an infectious and free love so that God's mission may come to fruition among us. Let's pray together. As a church gathered around your table, Jesus, we pray that you would give us such a sense of your presence that we would be dominated by your rule and your reign and your presence and your love among us and not by the temptation of worry. And God, each of us will have seasons in which we have things that we're anxious about and concerned about and worried about. And oh God, would you give us the grace as a community to bear with each other in those seasons? be a place of light. And may this be a community of faith in which we reach more and more towards the things like hope and peace and love that you have for us so that the anxious worries which so easily settle in our hearts may be driven away. And may all of this bring us to your day with pure hearts on the day when all of our worries are shown to be nothing. In Jesus we pray, amen.